the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The RV Show USA. Hi, it's the RV Wingman, and welcome to today's podcast. Before we begin, make sure and download my latest free RV report. It'll save you thousands when buying or selling an RV and prevent you from being ripped off. My latest report is available now at freervreport.com. The RV Show USA. Start living the RV dream today. And welcome, everybody. Glad you could join us. Alan Warren here, the RV Wingman. Pull up a seat around my virtual campfire where we're sitting around talking about RVs and camping and just good old-fashioned fun with some of today's most popular RV influencers. The RV Show USA. Start living the RV dream today. Now, today's virtual campfire is brought to you by My Free RV Report. Learn how to save thousands when buying a new RV and avoid being ripped off. Download the most recent RV report at freervreport.com. The RV Show USA. Start living the RV dream today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the nation's only syndicated radio show about the RV lifestyle. At least the only one we know of. This is the RV Show USA, where every week we join around this virtual campfire to share stories and tips and advice that will hopefully make your camping trips not only safer, but more enjoyable. If you love to camp an RV, or if you have an interest in RVing and camping, and you'd like to know what it's all about, we can take care of you. Just visit our website at thervshowusa.com and make sure you subscribe to my weekly newsletter. Again, that's at thervshowusa.com. And if you'd like to call, leave us a voicemail message. We'd love to hear from you. How do you think we're doing? The 24-hour voice mailbox number is 1-330-WINGMAN. Don't want to spell it out? That's 1-330-946-4626. Now, coming up on today's show, are you a dog lover? I surely am. And there is something going on in parts of our country that scares the bejeebers out of me. And that is the deadly parvo. And lots of dogs are dying from it. Mike Winland from RV Lifestyle will be here with more on that. And this is about teenagers now, but do you think living full-time in an RV can better prepare a teenager for life in the real world? I think maybe so. And Mark and Tricia from Keep Your Daydream have some things I know will help you rethink about high school kids and their education. We'll also enjoy some real cowboy wisdom with my favorite Wyoming cowboy. His name is Dwayne Noel, a.k.a. the Dry Creek Wrangler. This old guy is as sharp as they come, I'll guarantee you. And I'll just bet you you're going to like him a lot. And we're starting off today's show with a story about older RVs, RVs that are more than 10 years old. Did you know that many campgrounds will not allow you to stay if your RV is more than 10 years old? It's a fact. 
But Kyle from the YouTube channel Driving and Vibin' has some interesting ways around the 10-year rule. The RV 10-year rule is not popular among RVers. It could be a headache if you're out there on the road trying to make a reservation. So today, we're talking about five ways around the RV 10-year rule. We hate the RV 10-year rule, in all honesty. We've been traveling in a vintage RV, all of them restored very beautifully, but it doesn't matter because the 10-year rule still applies to a vintage camper. But there are ways around the 10-year rule. So if you do have an RV that's 10 years old or older, it can help you get a reservation at any of those RV parks. The first way around the RV 10-year rule is to keep your RV well-maintained. I know most of you guys do that. Most everyone who has an RV and uses it on a regular basis keeps it well-maintained. Here's the issue, is that <laughs> the RV 10-year rule feels snobby. It feels as though I'm not welcomed at the RV park. and a lot of times it rubs me the wrong way and I don't even want to make a reservation at one of these parks that use the 10-year rule. But the fact of the matter is sometimes I need to stay in an RV park to refresh my tanks, come back from off-grid and enjoy some RV park amenities. Whenever Mountain Arizona, say Yuma, Phoenix, almost all those RV parks use the RV 10-year rule. So if you keep your RV well-maintained and you make a reservation at one of these parks over the phone, Usually they'll ask you if your RV is 10 years old. If you're honest with them and say, look, my RV is 12 years old, but you would never know it. They'll ask you to send a picture nine times out of 10. If your RV does look good and uh, you send them a picture, they'll make an exception for you. Again, it feels nasty to have someone judge your RV that's 10 years old. Give me a break. Uh, so I don't recommend it sometimes just because it feels like people are holding their nose up at you. But uh if you need a reservation at one of these parks and they say they have the 10-year rule, offer to show them a picture. Say, look, my RV looks great. I'll send you a picture and uh, they'll nine times out of 10 let you make that reservation. The second way around the RV 10-year rule, travel in a vintage camper. So like I said, my wife and I travel in a vintage RV and uh, they always looked cute and cool and people were interested in them. And because of that, most of these RV parks that had the 10-year rule never had an issue with a vintage camper that was redone staying at the park. They welcome it in most cases because people are just interested in how anyone has redone a vintage camper and made it look beautiful and gave it new life again. So it's almost easier than just sending a picture of like a 12 or 13-year-old rig uh, because a vintage camper has a certain charm to it that wins over whoever is judging these things to let them in the park. But again, it doesn't change the situation that I don't feel welcome at the RV park in those cases. And there have been times still with our beautifully renovated vintage camper where we haven't been allowed in these RV parks because they are extremely strict about the 10-year rule. So it's not a guarantee that they'll let you in, but having the vintage camper will sometimes give you that little added push where they welcome you in and they're happy to have you there rather than just saying, okay, your RV's in good condition, we'll let you buy this time. But the next way around the RV 10-year rule is by traveling in an RV that has a classic design. So we all know Airstreams haven't changed in the last, what, 50 years? They basically look the same, a 1970s Airstream and a 2020 Airstream. The trailers look very similar. It's the same deal with Scamps, Casitas, Olivers, a lot of those molded fiberglass campers haven't changed designs at all. 
And if you're fortunate enough to travel in one of those, then most times you can tell them it's a 2020 or you can tell them it's a 2015 model and they won't know any better if it doesn't show the age through wear and tear. Because honestly, those trailers have had the same design for 20 plus years. These people who are managing an RV park won't know a difference. Uh, they won't ask you to prove the year model if the model hasn't changed. So that's another way around the RV 10 year rule. If you travel in one of those, it's my personal opinion that I don't even tell them the age if it looks clean. But, you know, that's a risk as well. You can be upfront with the age if you want to. But if you know that the design of the trailer hasn't changed in 30, 40 years and your trailer's clean, no use even bringing it up. It's uh, just better to, in my opinion, go and stay in the park if you need to refill. The 10-year rule is hard to apply to those classic designs. Number four way around the RV 10-year rule is to buy a new RV not a good idea. I don't recommend it. Having a new RV is definitely one way around the RV 10-year rule. It's not the route that I would say to be focused on unless you just want a new RV. It just brings up that it's a shame that this rule exists because a 10-year-old car is not considered a car that shouldn't be allowed somewhere. So a 10-year-old RV should be treated the same way. It's not even that old. Most RV loans are for 20 years. So, I mean, your RV loan might not even be paid off in 10 years. And don't even get me started on it because it's just one of the reasons why I hate this rule. I feel like it's the RV industry's way of working with the RV parks to try to force you to buy new RVs. You definitely won't have to deal with this rule if you have a new RV. Take a little caution just before buying a new RV right now. And the last way around the RV 10-year rule, our personal favorite way, is to boondock. Uh, you know, give the RV park the middle finger and say, hey, if you don't want my RV here, then I don't want to give you my money. I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm going to go enjoy free camping because there is so much free camping out there. There are thousands of sites out there, especially out west. The farther west you go, the more free sites you're going to get. And uh, they're beautiful. Sure, you got to have some off-grid ability, but it's not even that hard with RVs these days. They make it pretty easy to stay off-grid for a number of days. So if you hate the RV 10-year rule and you feel offended by it personally, as we do, just don't give them your money. Go boondock, go stay at a state campground, go stay somewhere where it's not going to be shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder RV spots all cramped in someplace and uh, enjoy nature because that's what camping is all about. Camping is not about the RV 10-year rule. That's just a bunch of snobby people in a snobby RV park, in my personal opinion. Sorry if I offended you if you like the RV 10-year rule. The best way around it for me is to not go to those businesses, to enjoy free camping, or enjoy a public campground that has space, has nature, and it actually feels like camping. As you heard, Kyle is a big time boondocker. He and his wife, they love going off grid whenever possible, but it sounds like he's figured out some pretty creative and logical ways around the 10 year rule. By the way, I do hope you'll check out Drivin' and Vibin' with Kyle and Olivia. Their channel is filled with great content, really is, and I don't think you'll find a more grounded couple who will give you any more honest advice. We have a link to them on our website, as well as links to dozens of other top content producers that will help you become and stay a happy camper. Helping you to learn so you won't get burned. He's back on radio again.
talking about kids and education, what is the best way for a child to receive a great education? I know it's a touchy subject for many. you got public school and private school, homeschool, parochial school. For most folks, they have options. But for those with school-age kids and a family that lives full-time in an RV, there's another option. An option that provides a child something they will never be able to truly learn in a classroom. And that is the option of actually experiencing reality. Not just a concept of reality, but the real thing. Kids that grow up in a full-time RVing family, and I know I'm speaking in general terms here, I believe have a much better handle on history. For example, visiting Gettysburg, being there, is not the same as reading about it. Because witnessing nature in its beauty and its fury has a much greater impact when it is experienced. For Mark and Trish from Live Your Daydream, they wanted their son Caleb to not only have a good education, but be able to have a close to high school experience while still being able to travel the country. If you've got school-age kids and you wonder what some smart people decided to do in terms of their teenager, listen up. This is going to help a handful of families and it's super important because it will change the trajectory of someone's life. And it sounds dramatic, but it's totally true because we're talking about education and it's a big piece of the RV life of whether people decide to go RVing or not go RVing is making sure that their kids get what they need. It became so clear to me that school, if you're traveling with a family, school is a big part of RV life, figuring that out. It's big, right? It's, it's so big. It's a big piece of the pie. And we never really, we're really mostly Trish, didn't want, you never want to be in charge of the school's curriculum. You didn't want to go through a homeschool program where you actually had to create the curriculum. Yes. Well, I, you know, in um, elementary school, middle school, there's fundamental building blocks, and I feel like they're very clear. And then you get into... I was capable of doing that part. <laughs> I was good up until about the third grade. And then... We need to bring in some We need to bring in some tutors. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, but I started getting really nervous in the the preamble to college applications. Will mm -hmm. they be ready? Mm -hmm. Where are they going? What are their dreams? Because that is really what we feel our role is. Like, how do we help put those building blocks in place? And so I got really nervous, and I wanted to make sure that I was working with an accredited school, mm -hmm. and I also didn't want to be in charge of the timeline, because if there was like a really cool hike, or, or a science lesson, the cool hike would always come in first. And, and so recognizing my weaknesses um, was really important. So that's where we started hunting. What was really cool about Whitmore School's graduation is that it's an online school, but there's still a um, graduation experience. Um, maybe, maybe half of the graduating class about flew in to West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And what was neat about that from my perspective, is that we got to hear directly from the students and why they were attending. Yes. And so I, I think there's a lot of, there's a myriad of reasons why um, a student would choose an online school like Whitmore. Or anything alternative to the traditional route. Yeah, but I think there were a, a few that stood out. There were a lot of students that were elite dancers, athletes, entrepreneurs. There were some entrepreneurial high school students that were kind of already doing their thing. They were already like pursuing their life's work. They just needed to fit school in and around their very busy schedule. So that yes. stood out. There were kids that, um, well, like us, there were some other full-time families there 
There were some RV families that were not full-time, but just looking for alternatives. Flexibility. Flexibility in their schedule. Um, there were also students that just, it just didn't, like the, the traditional high school experience just didn't, it just didn't, it wasn't a fit. So there were a few things that I really appreciated about the school, and I'll share them with you. Um, first of all, it's mastery-based. And so it's not, you hand something in and you get a grade. You hand something in and you have the sounding board of professional educators that say, that's really cool. Have you thought about this? Where are your resources? The sentence structure on this probably needs to be shaped. And so that really reflects real life, in my opinion, because you never hand something in perfect the first time. You have a sounding board, you have bosses, you have employees, you have a group of friends that you say, hey, I'm thinking about this, and then you get ideas and you mold and shape and you evolve into something great. Um, another thing that I liked were there were two tracks, a general studies and an advanced placement. Both were accredited. I think that you should be speaking the language of your next destination. So let me put that in better terms. If you're going to college, you need to have something that college says, oh, you did those classes? Come on in. Instead of, no, let me explain. <laughs> it was all legit. So that was one thing that was a concern for me. And I really loved that Caleb had personalized attention. He wasn't in a sea of students, even though there are a lot of students that attend. He was part of something, but got individualized treatment. So he had a one-on-one -on -one relationship with every teacher that he spoke with, that he was turning assignments in. And so he knew that he was being held accountable by someone other than me. One thing that I goofed on as a mom of three with all different education um, is that we did not capitalize on dual enrollment. Caleb should be done with at least the first year, if not the second year of college, so that when you go into college, you're not wasting your time or money on classes that you could have taken in high school. And here's a tip if you're trying to sell this to your kids, is that maybe they have time to take a little bit of time off before they go to school, or they get a year afterwards. Because I know for Victoria, um, by the time she reached 21, she was like, I am so done taking school, and yet, she still had another year and if we had had the forethought it would be over and so anyway I just want to give you that piece so if there's any way that you can do that you can usually take the classes for free or at a limited cost um, a lower cost and um, and then you're not subjecting yourself to those basic 101 English and basic math you just either get yourself tested out of them or you take dual enrollment so your college years are shorter more concise and, and less get expensive. to the point and less expensive <laughs> I goofed I don't want you to so I wish that when I was going through this process, someone told me that um, nothing's ever perfect. There are all kinds of alternatives. Mm -hmm. You're never gonna find the one perfect answer, but you're gonna find something that checks a lot of the boxes. And don't be scared because you've been raising this family and you've made <laughs> lots of choices. And when something was good, you really leaned into it. And when something wasn't working, you reevaluated mm -hmm. and changed. And this is not different. And so take the leap. You know what's right. And you know if something's working or not and I just want to give you that encouragement because I really wish that someone said this isn't working Trish and maybe there's a different answer mm -hmm. and that was way before we started RV. I thought my experience at Waymore was supreme because it was the only place it was the only school that we've ever done that you could actually do it like anytime or uh -huh. anywhere you know because mm -hmm. all the other online schools are like oh you can it's on your hours 
as long as you show up on these hours. <laughs> and it's like, wait a second. What I like is that what you put into it, you get out of it. Mm. So, so if you want a super engaged teacher, then talk, or if you want your teachers, if you want to be super engaged with your teachers, just be super engaged with your teachers. Like your teachers are already engaged, but like if you want extra extra support, just talk to your teachers about it. Got it. Yeah. So it's not for everybody because you'd have to have certain needs and things like this. And 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 taking a alternative approach to high school is certainly not for everyone. Right. But those who it is for, um, we had a great experience, and we thought we would share. Now, I'm not saying that schooling like Mark and Trish decided for their son is a one-size-fits-all approach to education. Not doing that. I just think that we need to approach education with an open mind. As I said, learning by experiencing is the very best way to learn. I found that many kids of full-time RVers seem to be more mature than their public school counterparts. They also seem to be more responsible. Maybe that's because of what they learn of what they experience when living in an RV. Like, like what, you may ask? Like the importance of conservation, the importance of being situationally aware, like how to improvise when life throws you a curve. You know, the kind of things that are conceptual to a student in school are very real for a student who lives in an RV. Great info here from Mark and Trish. If you have not yet surfed on into their YouTube channel, you might want to check it out. They are among the most popular YouTubers on the internet when it comes to RVing and the RV lifestyle. They're super down to earth as well, and it is no wonder they got a half million subscribers. So check them out at Keep Your Daydream. Keep Your Daydream. And of course, we have a link to them on our website, so jump over from there. TheRVShowUSA.com. And welcome back to the RV Show USA, everyone. Alan Warren here, the RV Wingman. And this next segment is for anyone who owns a dog. Not just RVers, but for all dog owners. There is an epidemic of sorts. It seems to be spreading, and it's killing dogs nationwide. And this is not a joke. It's about the virus called Parvo. Now, don't disregard this, please. Parvo is a virus that spreads primarily among young dogs puppies and dogs that have not been properly vaccinated. The key word here is properly. Parvo is highly contagious. It's spread from an infected dog through its feces. Yeah, it's poop, as well as saliva. And dogs are dying with more frequency all over the country with Parvo. Mike Winland, our friend from RV Lifestyle, has been following this story for some time on his RV Lifestyle channel. And with so many RVers who travel with their pets, even what looks like a clean dog park may be holding the deadly virus that's just waiting for your unprotected dog to investigate. When did this start? How many animals affected? And, uh, and then let's, uh, let's, let's take it from there and see how widespread this is. So we received a, f a couple phone calls. Uh, their dogs were dying of parvo. Um, when they would take them into a vet, uh, they would test negative for parvo. So the vet would treat them as they saw fit. Um, and then three to five days, the dog died. So um, we were able to get a couple of necropsies down to uh, the MSU lab and they were coming back as a positive for Parvo. So even though they initially tested negative, negative, correct. So um, we had alerted the department of agriculture that we were seeing more and more cases. Um, we received, uh, well, between us 
um, getting phone calls and veterinarians offices. Um, there's been probably close to 30 plus cases in Otsego County. Uh, so, of, of dogs um, dying from this. Yeah. Of dogs dying from this. Um, testing negative yet, you know, probably it was, it was the parvo virus. So, um, the state of Michigan vet, the department of agriculture, um, kind of stepped in and, and started doing testing on, on the material that they had. Um, they issued a press release that, that it is parvo. Um, but, uh, and, and they're still looking to get more material, um, whether it's a, a fecal matter or, or whatever, um, from those that have tested negative and, um, see what, you know, what more they can figure out about it. Um, so that's the first, that's kind of where we stand at this point. The first mystery is why, uh, these ill dogs are testing negative for parvo. And then it comes back that it turns out what, were these dogs vaccinated? All of these dogs or unvaccinated? No, not, not properly. And that's kind of what they determined as well is, is not proper vaccination. Um, a lot of people think, you know, they're, um, they're, uh, distemper parvo vaccination. It's, it's like a four or five way vaccination that you can do, um, as an individual, um, that it's a one and done shot and it's not, it's a series of vaccines, um, normally given to puppies. And this is, this is where we were seeing the under two year old, um, dogs that were being affected by this. So, um, uh, this so parvo is a disease people are at least familiar with. What is uh, I think so disturbing is how fast this seems to be spreading, and that it's not just your area. What uh, what other areas I know in Michigan, but uh, we've seen reports around the country like this. We have we've we've gotten calls um, since putting things out on Facebook and and into the news. Um, you know, Wisconsin, um, South Carolina, uh, Florida, Texas. Um, so, I mean, it is widespread. And I think the the key is vaccination, proper vaccination. Now, uh, what precautions should people make besides that? Because it is so incredibly, so incredibly uh, easy to spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen some reports uh, in a neighboring county to you where they said they wouldn't even let their dogs go outside. Uh you know, I don't know if that's a little over the top, but what advice would you give folks about this? I, I would say, um, first of all, if you're traveling with your dog um, and you need to take a potty break, kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. Um, not where, you know, hundreds of other dogs have been before you. Um, pick up after your dog. Clean up after your dog. Fecal matter is a huge spread of this. Um, and dogs, of course, sniff it they, as they sniff everything. Um, so, Pick up after your dogs. Um, make sure that you're they're on a leash and you can see what they're sniffing and where they're at, and um, and and go off the beaten path a little bit for potty breaks, maybe, and and um, just for dog parks. Uh, what and this is a tough question because so many people we use dog parks all over the country for for our dog, but I'm frankly not going to let him go to a dog park for a while. Is is and he's been vaccinated, but still, uh, I, I don't I don't want to take the chance. That to chance. Yeah, that's that's a fair that's a fair statement because um, it can stay parvo stays in the soil and in in the uh, the the area for so long. I mean, six months to eight years, I think. I mean, it it takes a long time to clean up. Um, So, you know, I mean, I I was part of getting the dog park here up and running. Um, 
and I, you know, I hate to say that I don't, I wouldn't probably take my dog to any dog park at this point. So. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think that's the advice that we're going to suggest. Uh, any idea why this is so widespread across the country? We've we've also heard reports in Nashville, Tennessee, and and, and Florida, uh, everywhere. It seems to be noticed, even in Europe, the similar things. Right. right. Uh, any idea why this outbreak is so widespread and so virulent? Um, my opinion is what you're seeing now is a um, a shortage of veterinarians. So it's hard to get into a veterinarian Um, and people are taking advantage that this vaccination can be given by themselves. Um, However, they don't know how to properly handle it. So you go to a farm store, you pick up their vaccination um, and it is meant to be kept at a certain temperature. Um, And most people don't know that. So they pick it up from the farm store. They take it, you know, they put it in their car. Now we have, you know, warm environment in the car. Um, they are, uh, they may stop at grandma's house. They may stop at, uh, you know, place to eat, something like that. Now it's gotten warm. It's been over an hour. And uh, basically you have a vial of liquid that is is not um, going so, to. So that's why some of the early reports, people thought their animals were vaccinated, but but as you say, they weren't properly vaccinated. Right. right. That's good to know. Uh, so they somehow this has just gotten so out of control, and yes. uh, uh, we're learning about the mystery part of this is is the, the tested weird. Right. Uh, see, of other places where people have mistaken this for dog influenza, and they first diagnosed it and treated animals that way. Mm-hmm. There are there are probably hundreds of conditions that this could have been. So when it tests negative, you know, the vet goes, well, okay, so it could be X, Y, and Z. And so they, you know, treat as they see fit at that point, Um, you know, whether it's stress or HEG or, so it's, that's where the mystery had come in. And so we were seeing a whole lot of dogs. So if I could just kind of bottom line this, whatever it is, it's very widespread. We're going to call it Parvo because the state- So we can call it parvo, but because it is so widespread, so many animals have been affected, uh, we would urge people to avoid dog parks, places where other animals have gone, Mm -hmm. watch over your dogs, keep them from that, make sure they're vaccinated. And for those who travel, uh, do some checking in the areas where you're going to know if it's it's relevant, prevalent. Well, we all love our dogs and uh, we love people like you who uh, care for them. So uh, thanks for being... uh, for getting the word out on this for, uh, for so many people. Uh, it's tough because we live in a time when journalism is not very widespread. People kind of report one thing here and not, but nobody does the big picture. And uh, that's why we're jumping in on this, trying to give people an idea. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you. Um, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's that word of mouth and, and media tends to get stuck on one thing and take it and, and blow it up. And um, basically what it comes down to is, Get your dogs vaccinated properly. Well, I'm no expert, but I am a dog lover. And you can bet I'm going to be asking my vet about this on our next visit. Now, in the meantime, if you're a dog owner, please be responsible. When camping, keep them on a leash always and always pick up the poop. I hope you'll check out Mike's YouTube channel. He does a fantastic job. In the YouTube search bar, type in RV Lifestyle. And if you forget or you'd like to contact other folks who we trust that deliver quality content, visit our website, thervshowusa.com.
Hey, it's the RV Wingman, and before we roll into our next segment, I want to invite you to join me around my virtual campfire on YouTube. That's right. The RV Show USA has a YouTube channel where you'll find the video version of today's radio show. One of my favorite channels to watch on YouTube is not about RVing or camping. Not at all. But it is a channel, at least for me, that is mesmerizing. It is so simple, so basic, so, I don't know, authentic. And it's done by an old cowboy called the Dry Creek Wrangler. Now, don't let the name fool you. Dwayne Knoll is a cowboy. He is. As in a real life, every day of his life, cowboy. And his stories and the way he tells those stories have such a powerful meaning. And you can apply much of what he sees and he experiences to things in your life, in our lives, even though we're not really cowboys. Raised a little bay quarter horse mare. I got in a little while back and I got her in for me. Um, and uh, I did about 10 miles on her. And it was 10 miles of pretty up and down and, and around across the ranch back up on top of there. The owner of the ranch is gone for two or three days and he asked me if I wouldn't mind going back on the back side of the ranch where I had never been before and find a couple of gates that he'd like to have open so the cattle from all the pastures can all come in together. So we went back looking for that. And uh, I had misunderstood his directions to start with. And uh, so I went on the wrong side of the ranch, which was fine because she just, she got a lot of, she got a lot of good work. Well, you, you might ask me, Dwayne, how'd she do? She didn't do very good, but she did great. What was that? She did not do very good, but she did great. I had an idea, a picture in my mind of what I wanted the ride to be. And I just want a good, steady ride uh, out there by myself for several hours, just putting some miles and some experience on this mare. Um, and I kind of went through, I said, she's had this much experience and she's had this kind of experience and she's been out since I've had her with the other horses this much and with me this much. And so this is what I think the ride is going to look like. This is what I picture in my mind. Problem was, that wasn't a picture she had in her mind. Now, that's what I wanted to do today. But she's young, and uh, that's not what she wanted to do. And so I trailered her up, and then right off the bat, she did not want to get caught, which is unusual for her. She's, she's a sweetheart, and she's really easy to catch normally. So I caught her, and brushed her, and fly sprayed her, and saddled her, and put her in the horse trailer, and we headed up the mountain. And when we got out of the trailer and put the bit on her and headed out, she fought me every step of the way. She didn't fight as in Buck, you know, none of that. But it's like she never put her head down and relaxed and walked out. She chomped at the bit. She kept trying to turn around and go back to the trailer. She just kept, she she stopped and balked at every little spring. And we've had so much rain up here. We crossed a lot of springs. Uh, we At one point, we were oh, we were to the far end as far as we go. And I found those two gates. I got them open. And there was a rise that went up behind that last gate. And I said, well, I'm going to run up that rise and see what's on the other side. And they've been back here for. Well, as we rode up that rise, and, and I kind of, of course, I'm taller because I'm sitting on top. As I, my eyes, as I crested the top of that rise, I saw a couple of good-sized calves about 20 yards away just bedded down in the grass there. And uh, so by the time I said, my sister, don't you spook, she saw one of them stood up. And, man, she turned around and tried to head for the barn like she was packing precious mail. Uh, she didn't get far and she didn't bunk, buck again. Uh, I mean, again, she didn't buck, but she is a cowbred athletic little rascal. And uh, when she turns it on, man, she tuned me up like a pretzel, just twisted me up like a, like one of them Twizzlers, like one of them licorice Twizzlers. And, uh, and so, uh, I stayed in the saddle and she didn't go far. She stopped, but it was just her mind wasn't out there. She was still 
fuzzling and worrying about how can I get back to the horse trailer? I don't want to be out here. Now I was, I was aggravated the whole ride and I'm sure that doesn't help, but I was disappointed because I had pictured what the ride was going to be. And that wasn't what the ride was turning out. I went out there, I wanted to relax and the ride was anything but relaxing. Did she do good compared to what I expected her to do? Or did she do good compared to what she is? And I think that's a, that's only a fair question. Okay. Well, she did not do good compared to what I expected her to do. But then if my expectations were too high, how fair is that? But she did good for a little six-year-old that's just learning this open country, hasn't had a lot of experience in this, is kind of bound to other horses. She came to me like that. And so all in all, it could have been way worse. So she did good compared to the reality of where she's at. We expect our horses to have our expectations of them. We have a picture of what we expect our horse to do. And sometimes the horse, they don't get the memo. They don't have the same picture. Now my picture was a long, leisure, walking ride to get experience and exercise um, for my horse and calmness and serenity and exercise for me. That was my picture. Her picture was to take her day off and stand out here in the paddock and eat grass and snuggle up to Ace. That was her picture of the day. We had two different pictures. And you'll have that sometimes. We develop expectations. We develop a picture in our head of how they're going to be, what they're going to do, how they're going to behave. They don't have the same picture in their head. Their head is their head, not yours. Okay? And so you got to meet people where they're at today. Now, I'm not talking about bad behavior. All right? I'm not, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about stealing. I'm not talking about corruption. I'm not talking about deception. But, hey, buddy, last time I looked around, ain't none of us walking on water. Ain't none of us walking on water. And if you don't walk on water, don't get impatient at somebody else beside of you who can't feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. We're all just people. We're all just people. And uh, we have a higher expectation sometimes of those around us than we do of ourselves. And we give ourselves sometimes more grace than we do those around us. But those around us, they did not get the memo as to how we expect them to behave today. Nobody drew them a picture of what your expectations were and what you demanded of them. They're going to act according to who they are and where they're at. Okay. Now, my little mare, she needs to mature. You need to mature. Some of your friends need to mature. Some of your family needs to mature. My little mare needs more experience in, in the common everyday things of life. Maybe you need more experience in the common everyday affairs of life. Maybe those around you just need more of a better kind of experience. Maybe your family does. Maybe your coworkers do. Maybe they're just on a path of growth and maturity just like you are, but they haven't got as far as you think you have gotten. And so you turn around and you get aggravated at them. Your horse is only going to grow and improve to the level that you grow and improve. Your horse is a mirror of you. Your horse will rise or fall to your level. And so if your horse is never at the level you want, who's not at the right level? Who actually needs training? Who actually needs patience? Can we define a bad day without comparing it by definition to a good day? And vice versa. 
we decide what a good day is by comparing it to what a bad day would be. You can't have good days if you don't have bad days. If there are no bad days, the good days don't exist. You can't take someone in your life that you care about and demand that they only give you the good stuff, but you're not going to take the bad stuff. All right, if you care about them, you got to take the bad with the good. You've got to take the whole package because they're a package deal. All right. And if the bad is so bad, you just can't tolerate it, then throw away the good too and walk away. All right. You're probably not worthy of the good. And you're probably the problem in their life. If that's how you're doing it. When you have a day that's not what you expected it to be, don't expect it to be that bad every day. Because if you expect it to be that bad every day, it will be that bad every day. Wasn't that great? I just love this guy and his outlook on life. What do you think? And is there a, I don't know, a reasonable amount of expectation in pretty much everything we encounter? I think there is. I guess the key is to manage those expectations. Hmm. Where have I heard that before? I'll tell you what, you don't get that kind of wisdom. The wisdom Dwayne has by going to school. You get it by getting a lot of miles on you and by the ups and downs of life. And you get that wisdom from experience and perspective, similar to learning about RVs. It's a process. And managing your expectations in a realistic way is essential if you want to be a happy camper. Dwayne's YouTube channel is called Dry Creek Wrangler. And I hope you'll check it out. I'll bet you you're going to like it a lot. You can also link over to them from our website at thervshowusa.com. All right, they're giving me the signal to wrap it up. But before we do, to get the latest version of my free RV report showing you how to save thousands of dollars when buying a new RV and learn how to not get ripped off, you can download it right now on our website. Yes, you can at thervshowusa.com. And remember, if you're looking for a great RV dealer to do business with, I hope you'll check out those of the RV Dealers I Trust Network, providing the absolute best buying and ownership experience ever. Go to RVDealersITrust.com. And finally, a special thanks to you for joining me around our virtual campfire. Till next time, I'm Alan Warren, the RV Wingman. Be safe, have fun, play nice, and don't leave your good manners at home. The RV Show USA. Start living the RV dream today. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.